All right, we have been in a series called Trending Now, in which we wanted to take insanely practical looks at what faith looks like in our life. How do we apply faith to our life? What does it do? What does it look like? How do we make the most out of this? Okay, how well, you know these things. Maybe we have some, uh, we've had an experience with God, but what does it actually do for me when uh, the rubber hits the road, when I have to go to work, when I have to deal with my family members, when I have to pay the bills? So often we keep church work at church, right? Keep work life at work. We keep family life, family life. The problem with that is God should be permeating every aspect of our lives. The way in which we raise our kids, the way in which we work, the ways, the ways in which we deal with our family, the ways in which we had to deal with people at Thanksgiving dinner. God permeates all of that. And so if you're looking for some practical help in, uh, dealing with difficult people and parenting and all kinds of stuff. The last about seven weeks have all been about that. Check it out on our podcast. Today will be our last message in this, and then we'll full on go into Christmas mode. But this is kind of a good start for Christmas because we're going to talk about how to have more money at Christmas, right? How do we have more money at Christmas? And if you're a guest with us today, yes, you've stumbled into a money talk at church. I'm, I'm sorry about your luck, uh, but no, uh, we, we talk, and just to let you know, we talk uh, quite a bit about money at, at this church, not because uh, I want it or anything like that. It's because Jesus talks so much about money. He talks so much about it because he knows there's going to be a war for your heart and for your mind with money or him. And he's the one that needs to be and wants to be sitting on the throne of your life. And so what we're going to do today about this, I operate under a simple principle when I talk about money is this. I want to, I want something for you, not from you. Okay. I want something for you, not from you. So I'm going to be very upfront with you. This talk is going to be about money, but it's going to be insanely practical about how you can have more money at Christmas because we all have to deal with that. Right? January is a bad credit card bill. Is it right? Am I right, Adam? Right? You get, you're like, you're holly jolly. You're feeling great. You got the, the ham hangover, right? And then all of a sudden you get your American Express bill and you know, I feel sick. <laughs> you didn't have too many cookies until you get the credit card statement. And this is a problem. Okay, and it's something that repeats every year. And you're like, every year your new resolution is, I'm going to get smarter with money. I'm not going to go in debt. But at Christmas time, we put ourselves so far in debt, we can't even make that resolution happen. It's until Easter until we can breathe, if you're lucky. Inner nervous laughter here. And so we're going to talk about it today, and I want to be very intentional and help you uh, with this this morning. So the principle we're going to expound upon today and something that is counter to the American culture is this st- sentence, less is more. This is the whole thing for the day, less is more. This runs counter to everything that we think about when we think about our culture. If you go to McDonald's, what do you do? You got to supersize that baby. Right? You gotta bogo it. Buy one, get one free. I won the lottery. You don't need the free one. You know, if you don't buy, get both of them, you get the first one for half off, usually, unless you're at Family Christian Bookstore. They're terrible about that. But that's, <laughs> I used to work there. Bless them. Uh, so, but, but the buy one, get one free, usually you can, the first one's half price. If you just buy one. 
Okay? You don't need both. That might be a funny stocking stuffer, but it's not worth it. We just buy. We need more. 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 Then all of a sudden, we're drowning in our living rooms. Anybody have that feeling when you got all the Christmas decorations out? Of a little bit of a... I don't know what it is, but my hand's doing it. Right? You're sitting there in your living room and you've gotten all of the stuff from the basement, the garage, the attic, or whatever it is to decorate the house, but all your previous stuff is still there. And so now you have two stuffs all in one place. (laughs) Right? And you need a paper bag to get through it, but you can't find any because they're all decorated as angels and your kids don't want you to destroy them. Um, Sorry. We have so much stuff. What is it about? What is it looking like? How do we manage it all? How do we make it in proper proportion? What does it look like? Because I want to survive this Christmas. I want you to survive this Christmas and make it to be one of the most memorable, less stressful, because it's not going to be stress-free, but less stressful because there's people involved, so there's always stress. Less stressful Christmases. I think one of the major ways we do that is we tame the way in which we manage money at Christmas. First step is this. Have a Christmas gift budget. Have a Christmas gift budget. And the second part of the sentence is incredibly important. And stick to it. Anybody in here, your love language gift giving? You know who you are. You love this, right? Yeah, your gift giving. And I think this is something I've developed. As I've had children, I love giving gifts. I didn't really like it. And sorry, Kelly, but she's, her love language is not gift giving. So it doesn't matter. I could buy her a card. She'd be like, what were you thinking? Right? It wouldn't be a, oh, this is so nice. It's like, I'm going to kill you in your sleep. Because uh, I have to pay for the car and I'll use your life insurance money. Oh, so. <laughs> so, um a little too close? Okay. Uh, have a Christmas gift budget and stick to it. This idea, this is real easy when we were first married. You know what our Christmas gift budget was when I was your age and I was just newly wed? It was $20 a person. It was fantastic. And I stuck to that one because I, I, I didn't even have the 20 It was 20 bucks and whatever the plasma people were going to give me when I gave blood. All right? That, that is what our gift, that was easy. But now that you have a family and you got, uh, you're like, oh, well, I have to. And you have responsibilities and you have kindergarten teachers and you have people that you don't even know, but you have to buy them gifts and you have all this stuff. Uh, uh, why? Why are we giving this? We have a gift-giving budget, and we say, you know what? Who is important in my life? They're getting gifts. The rest of these people, I might get a thank you card. Because I'm under no obligation to give my three, you know, the teachers all these gifts. And I'm going to tell you a little secret. My wife's elementary teacher, kindergarten teacher for years, they do not need another thing of lotion. Can I get an amen, teacher? <laughs> They don't need another scented candle. No candy. <laughs> no candy. Right, right. But a $5 Starbucks gift card. Well, boom, right there. There's <laughs> All the teachers are going, amen. Uh, that's what we want. So just do that. Go buy a... Yeah, and manna is up for today, so you can buy $5 Starbucks cards from Kevin. See, I'm helping you out with the budget. Have a Christmas gift budget and stick to it. Tell, quick story about my wife, my wife Kelly. Um, she's in the back. I think she's in the toddlers this, this morning. Um, but she, uh, she, she is a stickler for a budget, and uh, I am a, more of a gift giver. My wife uh, was writing 
kids curriculum as her job uh, for three years. And she had this really, really, really old computer that would, would crash like every time she started to write something. Well, if you're a writer for a living and the thing that you write on crashes, you see what the problem is? Yeah, so me in my infinite wisdom said, I will buy her a new computer for Christmas because I'm validating the value that she brings to the house, that she is working so hard and diligently to write these things and to work so hard. I called my mom. I said, hey, I know I'm going to go over the budget like by a thousand bucks, but, uh, um, <laughs> but what do you think? And my mom is a lot like Kelly in this. You don't break the budget. She's like, do it, Jared, do it. I was like, okay. Mom said it's okay. So I called, I called Kelly's mom and I was like, Joanna, I'm going to do this crazy thing. What do you? Oh, she's like, go for it, go for it, go for it. And she's like, can I get on it? I was like, no, it's my gift. Uh, and it's like, go for it. I should have taken the bait. But <laughs> so, so I give, we have 10 people in my living room on Christmas morning. I am Clark Griswold on Christmas, okay? And so we have 10 people in my living room on Christmas. Nine of us were ecstatic when she opened that, that computer. Do you know who the one person who wasn't? <laughs> Kelly. Have a Christmas budget and stick to it because it helps your marriage. Um. <laughs> Second thing is this. Limit who you buy for. I talked a little bit about this. Limit who you buy for. Uh, limit who you buy for. You don't have to. There's cultural obligations of all this stuff. You don't have to buy for everybody. You, re, you really don't. Limit who you buy for. An oatmeal cookie goes a long way. A smile. Hey, Merry Christmas. Okay, thank you. Help come over for dinner. Whatever. Those kind of things are, are great. But you don't have to buy all these things for people. You really don't. Uh, we, we had this huge... Uh, I'm trying to institute this in my family. It's not going over so well. Because if they do it, it's a tradition. If I do it, it's an annoyance. <laughs> I hope Kelly doesn't listen to this message. Uh, so... <laughs> But if I, so I'm trying to do something so we don't have to buy gifts for everybody. Um, is I wanted to start instituting this thing on Christmas Eve. We have a gift exchange of infomercial gifts. It's fun and exciting. You, I mean, every, nothing costs over twenty bucks. It's really fun. You go home with a bacon bowl or a sham wow or one of those earwax cleaner outer things. You know, you do all these sort of things. It's hilarious. Everyone has a great time. You feel loved and cared for, and it costs you twenty bucks instead of the two hundred and fifty when you bought each and every one of these guys. It's not going over well, but I feel that you could institute that in your family because I'm just the Grinch of my family. But that's okay. Limit who you buy for. Second thing is, make what you buy special. Guys, I'm going to give you a tutorial on how to buy a gift right here. Women are going to be very excited about this. Make what you buy special. Everything that you buy has to have intentionality behind it. If you are buying a gift and it does not have intentionality behind it, do not buy the gift. Put it down. I don't care what it costs. I don't care that you're getting two of them for free. I don't care that you have Kohl's cash. If it does not have intentionality behind it, there's a lot of guilty faces right now. <laughs> if it does not have intentionality behind it, put it back. Make what you buy special. And here's how you do this, right? I think about the person using this product. What would they use it for? One of the times, Kelly was a first-year, third-grade teacher. First-year teachers. It's one of the most stressful, like, seasons of your life, the first six months of being a first-year teacher. And so my wife is all stressed out, and I don't know what to do about it because I'm a guy, and I'm like, all right. Uh, can I fix your problem? Nope. All right. Uh, so I can't beat up any parents and I can't spank those kids. So nope, can't help you. Um, 
So I don't know what to do. So I, what I did is I walked into, and I said, what would relax her? Well, she, at that time, she really enjoyed taking, you know, the, the little bath thingies with the, the candles and all the, now she's a mom. She ain't got time for all that stuff. Uh, cannonball, some kid will join her. Uh, so, but so she was really into that. So I walked up to the counter at Macy's or whatever, and I said, all right, if you had, I looked at the, the, the woman, she's about uh, Kelly's age. I said, if you had 60 bucks to spend in here on something that would make you relaxed and feel very special, what would it be? And, and I told her what I was wanting to do. She's like, oh. so she is like so excited. She got to be the secret shopper for my wife. And so we got all these crazy little beads and the, the, the things that dissolve and the bubbles and the, I don't know what all they do, but I was like, I needed it apparently, but I needed it because what was in my head was what is my intention of taking the stress away from my wife? So think about that. Think about your kid. What is it? What is it going to make them really happy? You know, I know this is going to keep them up with you know, all these things, but what I want to envision Bowen playing with this set. And a lot of the times I want to envision Bowen playing with me with that set. Not because I just want to relive my childhood, maybe a little bit with the Star Wars, but because I want to build memories and experiences with my child. What does that look like? How do I take it to the next level? Make what you buy very, very, very special. I'm not going to try to stop you from buying presents this year. That's not at all. I think the season is about the gift of Christ coming. And we get to, to explore his wonderful birthday and have a huge birthday party for him. So I have, I'm not trying to say no presents for anybody. I just want you to give the right kind of gifts to the right kind of people. Because this truth holds firm. Pursuing stuff leads to stress. Pursuing stuff leads to stress. When we get more of things, we get stressed out about it because there's more stuff to take care of. Do you know that when you own a house, your stress about owning a house quadruples compared to renting? Do you know what happens when you own two homes? Right? Like the, the, the stress just, just multiplies. You know what happens when you own one car? And then you own two cars? You know what happens when you still owe a payment on both of them? Why is my voice going up? Pursuing stuff leads to stress. I want to, I got got an object lesson for you this morning um, that my kids learned about pursuing meaningless things causes stress. And so, do you know what this is? (laughs) To two six-year-olds wandering around Menards, this is pretty cool. They're bored. They don't want to be in the tool aisle anymore. I had a gift card, okay? But they they get to see this and like, what's that, Daddy? And I was like, well, I think I need one. And they're like, well, this is a blue one, so this is Bowen's, and there was a purple one, so of course Kendall had to have one. And so so they're like, oh, we gotta have one, we gotta have one. And they were on sale, and they were like five bucks a piece. And I was like, you 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 know this comes with. We got to use these, right? You can't, you're not going to chase each other around the yard with this. This comes with a responsibility. You're going to have to do something in the home when you get when you get home. And every week you're going to have to use this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if I buy this for you, you're going to do the chore associated with this. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. We need it. We need it. We need. We need it. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So I buy two of these. I get home. Get it out. Go get the bucket. And I say, all right, Bowen and Kendall, come here. You know what you're going to do with those things. You're going to go find 
all the landmines <laughs> that our golden retrievers put in the yard. And you're going to pick it up, and you're going to put it in the button. That's what this is for? Yes, this is what this is for. I spent the money on it. I asked you if you're going to do the chore with it. You said yes. You have to do this. Every week before I mow the grass, they're out there picking it up. First time, it was really cool. They got to use a tool. Second time, not so cool. Eighteenth time, really, really not cool. When we pursue stuff that we do not actually need or want, we have to deal with the results. And this is true for my seven-year-old kids, but it's true for you as well. When we pursue stuff we do not actually need or want, we have to deal with the results. Stuff leads to stress. And so wherever you're at and whatever you're thinking about, when we are pursuing stuff that we don't actually need, we are inviting stress into our life. We have to deal with the results. We have to deal with the consequences. We have to sometimes deal with the pooper scooper. And in many of our lives, we're thinking about stuff we bought, maybe on a whim, or we, we bought it, and we're like, oh, and it's a lot like what I did to my kids. But when we pursue stuff, we don't actually need or want, we have to deal with the results. Less is more. Scripture today is, we're just using one verse today because less is more. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better than one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I love this word picture that is given to us in Ecclesiastes because when we think about it, when I have both hands full of stuff, and you know this, bringing in the, bringing in the uh, groceries from your car, right? When you have both hands full and the dog runs into you, you got no hope, right? You got, you got, you, you just, when things happen, bad things fall on the ground, milk breaks, eggs are shattered, Tempers flare, bad decisions are made. Right? When you have one hand free, you can deal with issues. Right? And I'm not trying to re I'm I'm a bagger. I got it's a challenge. You gotta get them all in one look. I understand. But I'm just saying when with one handful there's tranquility, you can respond to situations with two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind happen. Less is more. To figure out what we can get rid of, we have to figure out what really matters to us. What really matters to us. I asked a question on Facebook this week. If you had three months to live, what, do you, what would you want people to remember you by? What would you want to accomplish? So and so and so forth. And people responded. I had one person said sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Thank you. I feel good as a youth pastor on that student. Uh, they weren't in this church. Uh, but I had another one respond with a video game. Also, thank you for that. The rest of the people who took it seriously were just responding with, I'd want to know God, and I'd want my family to know that I knew God. That's what I'd want. Every, all of them, except the, the two goofballs, responded with that. And I said, if that really matters, how does that speak into our stuff? How does that speak into our gift giving at Christmas? How does that speak into how we direct our lives? How does that speak into how we spend our time? If what really, 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 really matters to us is that we love God and that our family knows about God. That's what really matters to us. How does that reorient the the decisions we make and the things that we do? Your life does not consist 
in the abundance of your possessions. Your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Better one handful of tranquility than two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind. So how do we get rid of the toil that's stuck in this hand? I'm going to give you some ways in which to do that here today. Um, practical stuff. First is this cut back. Cut back. We, by and large, have too much stuff. In a 1910 home, if you own an old home, you will notice first thing that there aren't any closets. That there are hardly any closets anywhere. You want to know why? Because you had to pay extra taxes if you had an extra closet in your house because they're like, well, if you're rich enough to have stuff to put in a, ta- in a closet, you're rich enough to pay more taxes. And so that's how that happened. So now you look at our homes today. You've got a walk-in closet. I know some people that have this. You know, they must be uber rich, but they have a walk-in closet. And then they fill that up. And so then they fill up their basement. And then that fills up and they fill up their garage and they fill up their garage, they fill up their attic. And now you've got this conundrum. Instead of having a yard sale, getting rid of it, cutting it away, throwing it away because you haven't seen it in six years, you don't even know you still have it, you pay someone to store your junk. I mean, stuff, sorry. It's not junk, it's special memories. We pay people in these storage places to stuff that sometimes we're even still paying for, paying for on the credit card bill, but we don't use it very often or don't use it at all, so it's stuck, and we pay someone else to deal with this. Do you understand you're paying for that same product twice that way? Cut it back, cut it back, cut it back. Less stuff, more friends. Less stuff, more time with family. Less stuff, more experiences. Second thing is clear out. Clear it out. Clear it out. Kelly is asking for organizational tubs for Christmas. And she is legitimately serious about this. Um, This goes hard with my heart. But this is what she wants. Why? Because she's noticing that with the two seven-year-olds and another one on the way, we have an accumulation of crazy amount of toys, right? And we just have stuff. We have things flying everywhere. And we have to tame these things in some way. My reaction to is, I would love to buy you those organizational tubs so we could throw it in there and then take it out to the the garbage. That's that's my reaction. I don't think that's going to fly very well. Um... But to clear it out, she wants to tame this stuff. And we we need to have this kind of mindset as well. We get overwhelmed with all the things that we have, all the choices we have with stuff. If you ever go down here to uh, Crispy Waffle or Happy Place or the American Breakfast House or Pancake House down here, I love that place. The menu is thicker than this binder. You need an index to find pancakes, right? And then you need another table of contents to figure out what kind of pancake you want to eat. It's very reasonably priced, by the way, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, we are just overwhelmed with the consequences. It takes you a half an hour to figure out what you want to eat because there's just so many choices. We have this in so many different things in life. We need to cut away, narrow down, 
I love this movement of the, the tiny home movement. Kevin is enamored with the tiny home movement. He's designed one in his head, and, uh, and I get to play along with it. I have a Pinterest board uh, with tiny home stuff. I am never going to move into a tiny home. <laughs> but I'm enamored with this idea of just cutting back, cutting down, cutting down, and just only having to have exactly what you need. Anyone who's done the dishes for like six nights in a row is like, you know what, we'd do okay if everyone had one spoon, one fork, one, one bowl, we'd be all right. Um, I'm, this is, I'm purposely just throwing things on the, no, I'm not. (laughs) Clear it out. Specifically, like with our clothes, how many of us have stuff that we haven't worn in years, but I might need that corduroy suit. I might need those shoes for that special occasion. Clear it out. Rule of thumb, if you haven't worn it in a year, guess what? <laughs> By the time you get around to wearing it again, it's going to be so out of style, you don't want to wear it. I have, my guilty thing is this. I wear, or I keep clothes that they're like gold clothes. Maybe you have these. I have gold clothes. When I lose the 15 pounds, I can wear that again. <laughs> I can't wear that again, but I don't really want buttons shooting across the, the room, so I'm not going to wear it right now, but when I lose that 15 pounds, can I tell you how many times I've gotten to 12 pounds? But it's still unfair. I, needs to, I know there is a marker. At 207 pounds, that shirt looks good on me. At 209, it does not. I've gotten there several, several times. And like, ah, it's time just to let it go. Elsa had it right. We are overwhelmed with stuff. My life does not consist in the abundance of my possessions. How do we deal with the debt monster? How do we deal with the monsters? We pay off stuff. Got to pay it off. Got to pay it off. Got to pay it off. Stress is bad. I think we can all agree about this. Debt is a huge causer of stress in our lives. It's a stress. Debt is a huge stressor in your marriage. It's a, a huge stressor just in life all over the place. The borrower is servant to the lender. No one has ever said, debt helps me sleep better at night. My credit card payment is my best friend. Owing people brings me such joy. Like, no one says these crazy things because they don't. Because when you are slave to someone, you don't have like, oh, this is great. I love that they can control me. I love my student loans so much. pay it off pay it off pay it off Dave Ramsey has fantastic resources even free resources on how to start paying off debt in a debt snowball you pay off the smallest thing first and then you just keep on going and you just keep on going you take the money that you paid off on the the small thing and you put it towards the next smallest thing then you take that money and you go to the next smallest thing and you go and you go and you go and next thing you know you're trying to pay off your home and it's amazing that you've gotten rid of all that debt around you Pay it off, 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 pay it off. Final thing, how we defeat this monster of stuff in our life is we give away. We show generosity. We give away. Giving is the antidote to materialism. You can't be controlled by stuff that you're giving away. Does this make sense? If I'm, if I'm generous with my possessions, with my things, with my time, with my talent, whatever it is, I can't be self-centered if I'm giving myself away. I can't be controlled by my stuff 
if I'm giving it away. Giving is the antidote, antidote for materialism. We, we got to cut back, clear out, and pay off. When we do these things, we build margin in our lives. And that margin in our lives lets us take advantage of the opportunities God has for us. If I'm so cash-strapped, if I'm so stressed with my time because I have to work these 18 jobs and i got to do all these things because i got to pay for that stuff, then I'm not available and I'm not open to what God wants to do in my life. I have no margin to say yes to God. And one of the ways in which you can give is to this church. And we are 100% financed by you all. We don't have a sugar daddy anywhere else that writes us a check. In fact, we send money to other organizations to help bankroll them, missionaries in the state, um, state organization and whatnot. But we're 100% operated by your, your all's generosity and your all's funds. I want you to think and I want you to pray about how you have life arranged. Is it arranged towards generosity or is it arranged towards your stuff? And the parable that came to my mind this this week was this. Imagine, if you will, you heard that the Queen of England was in the United States for Thanksgiving. And the Queen wanted to have an American Thanksgiving. She she wanted to have a share, a normal American Thanksgiving. She didn't want to go to the president's house. She didn't want to go anywhere else. She wanted to have a normal Thanksgiving. And you're like, that would be amazing. So cool to have the Queen of England. I would make some tea for her. It'd taste terrible to her. It'd be great. This would be amazing. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to, okay, for Thanksgiving. You know what I'm going to do? I am going to give her the leftovers I have on Tuesday. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give her the leftovers on Tuesday. Yeah, because we always have leftovers at Thanksgiving. I'm going to give the Queen leftovers on Tuesday. Because this is what we do in our life when we think about it, when we think about giving to God, is we give out of the leftovers, not out of the first fruits. If the queen's coming to your house, you're going to clean it. You're going to do the best you possibly can. You're going to make everything. What's left over on Tuesday? Cranberry sauce and some dry turkey breast. That's it. And unless Missy Rainford made the cranberry sauce, you don't want it. Yours is delicious, by the way. <laughs> but that, that, that's it. That's the, those are the leftovers. And that's how we, we treat God. That's how we, how we deal with him with our time and our talent and our treasure. We give him the last, whatever we have left over. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. At Christmas, there won't be any left over. We have to flip it. On his birthday, he gets the last and the leftovers. And something is fundamentally wrong with that. I have a video of one of our elders took um, this summer, and uh, we wanted to show you this uh, video this morning. Her name's Leslie, and we are just so proud of her and thankful for her as a leader in this church. Well, I give to the church because um, we're supposed to. Uh, that's one thing, one of the things we're taught in the Bible is we're supposed to give back to God as he has given to us, and I know for my my family, we're incredibly blessed, so... I can't even repay him all the blessings he's bestowed on us. So I make sure that I tithe every week and um, it feels good. And like, you know, Jared says, every dollar goes to, you know, one of these kids 
it's true. It it is true. And this this place can't run without us giving back. And it's created such a great environment for my family and for my kids that I can't help but not to. A little history here. I've been doing push pay since I believe the beginning of last year. Before I would always write a check or sometimes I would go use PayPal. Um, but I've gotten to the point where I don't really write checks anymore and I wouldn't carry them with me. So I decided to do the push pay and s sign up for the weekly um, withdrawals. And one of the reasons I did that was if I would miss a Sunday, the next Sunday I would come, I would not tithe for the Sunday before and I would fight with myself as I'm writing the check knowing that I should do it. But in my head, I was thinking of all the bills I had to pay. And so I wasn't in the right frame of mind when I was doing it. And then I would feel guilty because I knew I should have done it. So when we had the opportunity to sign up for push pay and have it taken out every week, I did that. And it's great because I get a notice every week that it's come out. So I know I've tithed. But when we went to go get our taxes done this year, our accountant, he was looking at our tithes for last year. And he's like, what happened here? Because because of push pay and it coming out every week and me not skipping weeks, um, we tithe, I believe, like 25% more than we had done the year before. And he was like, what happened? You know, and I'm like, well, we, we do automatic automatic giving at church. It comes out every week. I don't even have to, you know, set it up. And it just comes out and I get a notice and I know that the way I set it up, it comes out on a Thursday and I get paid on Friday. So I know that's the first thing going out and it's the first thing going back to God. And I, and I can feel really good about that. I think just one of my favorite things about this church is you can tell that the people here genuinely love you. I mean, and they genuinely love my kids and that is the best thing, you know, and to walk in here every Sunday and everybody's smiling and everybody cares about what happens to you. I mean, that's the most amazing thing to have that foundation that I wouldn't have if I didn't have this place. This is literally like my second family and it's awesome and I would not trade it for anything. No way. You guys are stuck with me forever. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Less is more. That doesn't mean you don't have anything, but less is more. The richest people are not those who have the most. They're the ones who need the least. Now think about that. You become infinitely richer, more rich, more rich, when you start saying, I don't need these things. I don't need that bill, and I don't need this package and I don't need that extra. It's the only way you can give yourself an actual raise with that. The richest people are not those who have the most. They are the ones who need the least. Your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great. Your God is too good to waste your life on meaningless things. What matters the most to you? Where do you want your time, your talent, and your treasure going? I know I want my kids to know God. I want them to know my story. I want them to know how God has shaped me and changed me and set me free.
And I want others to know about that same story. If that's important to you, that means that things start to change on how we prioritize our time and our talent and our treasure. I hope you see that your finances need to echo that want, need to echo that change. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today and thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this church. God, I thank you for the generosity of this church. I thank you for their hearts. And God, right now, as we prepare our time and our talent and our treasure for this Christmas season, that we reorient it to the priorities of you, to what we want, what matters most in our life. God, we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We thank you for all that you've given us. We thank you for all the blessings you poured out on us. We love you. We praise your name. Amen.